through three games this year, FAMU has punched straight, they punched up, they punched down, but no matter where they aim, every single time they've hit their mark. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Family, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number Daily one-stop shop for everything, HBCU Athletics. Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. I appreciate you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day, every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusive. Starts with an S, ends with an S. And today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter the promo code locked on college at checkout for a free water bottle. Be drinking in style with you whenever you get any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I can speak to that personally. Now, today's episode will wrap up with Benedict College, who has been absolutely dominant through the beginning of their season. And it shouldn't be a surprise, but it's impressive nonetheless. Before that, we have our HBCU top five, but you know how I get down. I'm always going to expand it. So we go into our seven and specifically look at six versus seven, because for the second week in a row, all corn is over somebody that I personally don't feel like they should be over. But we kick all of this off with a conversation about the top dog in the swack, with a conversation around the big dog and one of the best teams in the HBCU landscape, specifically on the FCS level, and that's FAMU, because FAMU has completely handled business through the first three weeks of the 2023 season. FAMU has been in the upper echelon of the SWAC since entering the SWAC in 2021. That first year was so good. They were able to make it to the FCS playoffs. They were the second best team in the conference. Then you look at 2022, and I believe that's when it became Celebration Bowl or bust. It's been that way for two seasons now. This year, they're really showcasing what that means. But last year, I think within the family circles, it was, look, we were that great last year. And we feel like we should have made it to the celebration bowl. This year, we have to. Obviously, they weren't able to accomplish that. And they also didn't make it into the FCS playoffs. Now, that last part is what I think scarred them. I believe not making it into the FCS playoffs last year made them say, you know what? We're not going to put ourselves in that position again. But when most people say that, they mean we're not going to be able to fail. We're going to make sure we get it done. But they said, you know what? This was our backup plan. Because this is every HBCU's backup plan. Nobody wants to make the FCS playoffs because they all want to win their conference, which would then put them in a celebration bowl. So fam, you looked at the playoffs and said, that's our backup plan. We don't want a backup plan. We don't want a safety net. We're going for the celebration bowl. We've always had celebration bowl on our mind. Now it's literally celebration bowl or bust because with the scheduling, they've taken themselves out of the running for the playoffs. Now listen, this is not a criticism of that decision. This is just, in my opinion, a description and an accurate description of where they currently stand. If you want to criticize it, fine, whatever. I'm not here to do that right now. I've done that before. I'm not here to do it now because while operating without that safety net, 
FAMU has done everything to make sure that that will not matter. Because if FAMU comes in and they, and they win the SWAC, what's there to say? If FAMU wins the SWAC, it doesn't matter if they operated with or without that safety net that we call the FCS playoffs because it doesn't matter. No one's going to discuss it because we'll be discussing whether or not they can win the celebration bowl. That's what we'll be talking about. And through the first three weeks, they punched up. They punched down. They punched straight. Every single time they've hit their target. It hasn't always resulted in wins. They're two and one right now. But every single time they've hit their target. Let's look at the strength against Jackson State. This was a game that, to me, represented exercising some demons. See, JSU is the only team who's been able to knock off FAMU since entering the SWAC in 2021. That FAMU defense looked locked down. The FAMU offensive skill positions, they created a lot of opportunities for Jeremy Musa, and Jeremy Musa is typically reliable. He wasn't at his finest in that game, but you feel like he's going to pick it up. So you feel like, okay, Musa picks it up. These weapons clearly have potential. They can act upon the potential we've already discussed. Oh, yeah, we about to get moving. We about to get active. So that's the that's the game against Jackson State. Against JSU, they exercised the demons. They were able to beat the team that's never beat or they haven't been able to beat. And now they have firmly cemented themselves as a the top dog within the swag. So then you go to the next week and you go against USF, sticking it within the state, right? So against South Florida, you're punching up. That's a group of five FBS team. A lot of times they're not expected to win that game. This would have been an upset had FAMU been able to win. So it's not a problem that they lost this game. But throughout there, and I've said it before, if you're an upper echelon HBCU, you should be able to compete with F, not FBS teams like the Power Five, but specifically the Group of Five. These games should be and could be competitive to me. And they were able to compete with USF. Not only were they able to compete, they were right there with them and they had their own mistakes. And even throughout the mistakes, they still kept the game close. So they checked that box. Against Jackson State, you want to be able to come in and win. You want to win that game. And you want to assert your dominance. Against South Florida, you want to show that you're one of those squads. As a matter of fact, they are one of those squads that are in the upper echelon. And Alabama coaches reached out to Coach Willie and said, you know what? Coach Simmons, you did your thing. I want to commend you on that. And then lastly, they play South, or excuse me, West Florida. And West Florida is the one where they're punching down. And a lot of people are saying that's a D2 school. Well, we've already went through the schedule. I don't really care what you say about the schedule. The schedule is a schedule. West Florida is a D2 team, a good D2 team, a team that made it to the semifinals last year, but a D2 team nevertheless, and people are going to have the comments about it. They didn't squeak by. And to me, this West Florida game represents a difference in 2023 from 2022. See, against 2022, they weren't, they weren't as dominant. FAMU wasn't as dominant in 2022, but you come in in this season and you knock them off by 21 points. Now you're dominating. I understand that the playoffs are no longer on the table. But the eventual destination doesn't change how they look. They might have been able to use some more style points last year to make the playoffs. But being dominant is a good sign for what they are trying to accomplish this year as well, which is getting to the celebration bowl. So let's go through this real quick. Jackson State, you punch in straight. You dominated and you beat down an opponent that had been able to beat you the past couple of years and cemented yourself. As the top dog within the swag. You punch up against South Florida and you keep that game competitive and you're right there with them, proving that you are an upper echelon HBCU. Then you punch down against West Florida and what could have been a trap game, you end up winning by 21 points. We can have conversations about, because I was one of them, I criticized the idea of not operating with a safety net. But, with, but if you ask me, 
as loud as your negativity and your criticism should be, your positivity and praise should be the same volume. Don't sit around here always up in arms and being loud about how things are going wrong and then on that same subject not come around and speak the same way when things are going right. Because then it sounds like you hate. And one thing about me, I ain't never been no hater. That's something I stand against. I ain't hating, all right? And if I'm going to criticize, I'm going to criticize because I thought it was risky. But so far, the risk isn't going to matter because FAMU has been dominant through week one through week three. Now, moving forward, we're going to see. Is FAMU able to move up to that number one spot in the rankings? North Carolina Central did lose to UCLA. Meanwhile, FAMU was able to come up victorious, even if it was over a D2 team. We're going to have to look at that as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs, and Bird Dogs are so comfortable. My little sister has a cross-country meet coming up. It's going to be about 90 degrees. I can't wait to put on the shorts. The shorts be all up. They be kind of above the knee, so I'm going to be looking good. I'm be looking stylish. I ain't going to lie to you. I'm going to be showing out at that track meet. All right, but I'm going to be seated because when you stand up with your Bird Dogs, you naturally steal the show, and if you want to be a show stealer, you want to be a showstopper, then make sure that you get yourself some Bird Dogs because these things look phenomenal on everybody. If it was a little bit cooler, I'd probably pull out the sweats. It doesn't matter where you are. You don't have to be in a blazing heat to look good at bird dogs. You don't have to have your knees showing. You don't have to do that. You can have the sweats on. The sweats are phenomenal. I love the sweats. Matter of fact, I might put on the sweats tomorrow while I'm in the house just to change into the shorts when I leave the house. That's how much I like bird dogs. I might have a double feature of bird dogs on one day just because they look that good and they feel that good. Sometimes it feels like I'm wearing nothing. So go ahead and go to birddog.com slash college or use the promo code LockedOnCollege. Tell them the mouth of the South sent you and go ahead and get yourself a free water bottle when you use that code or go to that website. All you have to do is go to birddogs.com slash college and get a free water bottle with your purchase. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every single day on Friday. Don't forget, we have our college football kickoff live. And with that, we'll be having conversations from 10 a.m. to noon central about the whole college football landscape, including HBCUs, all the way to Ohio State versus Notre Dame. You are not going to want to miss it. Now, right now, I want to go through these top five, but really the top seven, because I'm always going to give you a little extra word to my guy, Ross Jackson at Locked On Saints, a little bit of land. Yeah. All right. So within this, I want to look at not only this top five and the order of the top five, but then also six and seven. Because Alcorn is six, Morgan State is seven. And once again, for a second week in a row, Alcorn is over a team that I do not believe they should be over. And I want to get into this because I, I make you can inform me because I like Alcorn. I really do. But I just would have had them seven in each of these rankings. Anyway, let's get through one through five. I'll start from five and move up. Because I already told you, we got to see what one is and two is. I got to keep the suspense. I got to build it. I got to set the scene. So five, you have Hampton. And I really do like Hampton there. Because Hampton just knocked off their second FCS opponent. Which there's a couple of HBCUs who haven't done that. Most HBCUs have not done that, actually. Most HBCUs have not won two FCS games, but Hampton has been able to. They knocked off Grambling to start the year, and then they also knocked off Howard in a phenomenal comeback to prove that they are the real HU for yet another year in a row. We discussed that on yesterday's episode. I will tag it. I forget. It's been a while since I've done it. It's either on this side or this side, but it's one of them. 
But the only thing keeping Hampton from being four is the fact that they lost to Norfolk State. And that loss to Norfolk State is a rough one, right? Because you don't want to lose to them. They feel like one of the lesser teams in the MEAC this year. So even though you were able to knock off one of the contenders in the MEAC, you also lost to one of the teams who you don't believe is going to contend in the MEAC. They kind of cancel out. Then you have number four, Jackson State, the other team that has two FCS victories. And they're both over HBCUs as well, where you knocked off South Carolina State and you knocked off Southern. So with that, I know people have opinions on both of those schools, but with those games, you kind of feel like, all right, we have to give them some love because they dominated in those matchups. And the two games that they lost, one was to FAMU. So both have lost two FCS opponents, HBCU FCS opponents specifically, but FAMU is way better than Norfolk State. So then you look at the loss to Texas State, <clears throat> excuse me, FBS team, they're not going to knock you too much for that. Excuse me again. Number three is Tennessee State. Now, this is one that might get a little people riled up, or people a little riled up, I should say, because Tennessee State, they jumped Jackson State. Funny enough, they, they left the Southern Heritage Classic, but they've jumped Jackson State. And I'm supporting this decision because I think Tennessee State is riding a wave right now. And it has significantly less to do with what Jackson State hasn't done and more so to do with what Tennessee Tennessee State has done. They knocked off UAPB, which isn't, you know, a crazy victory. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, my God, they knocked off the, the Golden Lions. Oh, what the heck? No, I'm not going to do that. But what I will do is say you knocked off UAPB, then you came and knocked off Gardner-Webb. And with that game over Gardner-Webb, you got Eddie George, the biggest win of his career, which we also discussed. That was Monday. So the end of Monday show. Should I tag it again? Maybe. But anyway, so I like the wave that Tennessee State is riding right now. So I'm going to go ahead and rock with them being number three. But drum roll, please. At number two, FAMU. So it's been consistent. Since week one before the season, it's been North Carolina Central one, FAMU two. That is still the same. The reason that might have been up for debate is that FAMU just won against West Florida and North Carolina Central just lost against UCLA, specifically the way that they lost. I thought they might have changed it. Honestly, I kind of expected FAMU to be one because I thought that North Carolina Central lost in a certain way. I thought that North Carolina Central came in and it was a little too easy for UCLA, but that's a power five school, very difficult matchup, and it wasn't used against them. And I think it probably helped that this week that it happened, they lost, or excuse me, the week that they lost to UCLA, FAMU only beat West Florida, which is a D2 team. And in these rankings, D2 teams do not help you, but they do hurt you. Now, if UCLA versus North Carolina Central would have happened the same week that FAMU beat Jackson State, I think you're looking at FAMU at number one. It's all about timing. It's all about timing. But let's get into the one that's really getting to me. Right? We've been going through one through five. I'll give it to you again. One, North Carolina Central. Two, FAMU. Three, Tennessee State. Four, Jackson State. Five, Hampton. Now you get into six and seven where I have my objection. Objection. Six, Alcorn State. Seven, Morgan State. And I'll be honest, I kind of feel like this, this poll has overvalued Alcorn. And it's not because of what they've done this time. And, and listen, I like Alcorn. I think Alcorn is a good team. But oftentimes, this ranking is a ranking of resumes. Who resume looks the best? That you go through to every explanation, it's rarely an X's and O's breakdown, right? And I have no problem with that. It's, every, every breakdown doesn't need to be that. 
But when you look at resumes, I just don't think Alcorn's resume was better than Prairie View's last week when Prairie View was a, a, a spot below them. I think it was, if it wasn't six and seven, it was seven and eight. I didn't think they were had a better resume. They hadn't won a game. Alcorn hadn't won a game, and they were over a one and one Prairie View. And it was just confusing to me. And I was just like, I like Alcorn. I think they're going to be a player in the SWAC West this year. I think they're one of the favorites. I've said that before. They're actually one of the three favorites that I had that has not disappointed me. I haven't been disappointed with what they've done. But, I mean, they were over Alcorn, and they had lost to Southern Miss, and they lost to SFA. Now they're over Morgan State, and they've lost to – they still lost those first two games that I named because I just caught a brain fart like I didn't just say it. But Southern Miss and SFA. So they still lost to them. And you're looking at two teams who are one and two. But I'll ask you, who's one and two are you taking? One and two is one and two. I get it. But if we're looking at it and getting a little bit more selective, who's one and two are you taking? All corners on Morgan State. Because that Southern Miss game wasn't close. That SFA game wasn't close. Now, they did just beat McNeese State. I'll give them that. That was a win. They got that. But then you look at Morgan State. And Morgan State, they knocked off nationally ranked Richmond. This is an FCS nationally ranked team. They were basically a play away. I mean, if the fumble does not happen and is not returned for a touchdown, I do not know. And this is at the end of the game. This isn't this isn't five minutes left. This is literally less than a minute left. They have a fumble returned for a touchdown. If that does not happen, I believe you're looking at a two and one team and a two and one team who knocked off an FCS nationally ranked team and knocked off an FBS squad. This is impressive. So, but their resume does sit at one and two. Can't talk about ifs. Their resume sits at, I beat a top 20 team on our subdivision. I barely lost to an FBS team. And I did lose to Towson. And I understand that is kind of disappointing. But even with that one loss that you're looking like, ah, it's disappointing. It's not enough for me to say that their one and two is not better than Alcorn's one and two. And once again, I like Alcorn. I like the front line. I think they have something at Alcorn. Southern is disappointing me. Texas Southern is disappointing me. And I don't even know what's going on with Andrew Body. Like the, the, the questions at quarterback for Texas Southern kind of keep me from having any sort of faith in them. But that's tomorrow's episode. Spill the beans. But I, overall, I'm like, I like Alcorn, but if we're looking at resume for resume, I do not believe they have that. And Morgan State's defense has been absolutely dominant throughout the majority of the season. I just think that Morgan State has looked better than Alcorn State two of the three weeks. The only thing that works against Morgan State is their win was week one. Meanwhile, Alcorn's was week three. And maybe you're valuing the kind of the uh, recency. That's the word I'm looking for, recency of it. Maybe that's what you're valuing. And saying, all right, well, you had those great games, but that was a while ago. So that's the one argument that I could see that works against Morgan State. But other than that, I just think that Morgan State's looked better two of the three weeks. So I don't know. You let me know. Am I tripping on all corn? Am I, am I undervaluing them by saying that people are overvaluing them? The only people that's going to get me right is my everydayers. So you're going to have to comment on me. Let me know. But as we move forward with today's episode, we're going to go into Benedict College on a D2 level because they have been absolutely dominant to start this season. And I want to break down their production as we continue with Locked On HBCU.
Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. And why sit around and wait for something to happen? Why sit around and be like, okay, when this happens, I'm going to do this. Let's be proactive and let's go ahead and get the five antibiotics that come in the Jace case. Excuse me. Get the five antibiotics that come in the Jace case and have yourself prepared for whatever happens. Now, you can take them for it. For uh, emergency situations, my guy Ross, I know I'm referencing Ross, but that's really the big homie. So, like Ross says, he likes to tell the people in Louisiana, hey, this can be your hurricane emergency kit. It can be things like that. All it takes to get this Jace case is to make sure that you go to the website, fill out a simple online form, and sometimes they want you to talk to a licensed physician. Like, it's very simple. I just don't want you to be caught unprepared. I don't want you to be lacking and be like, oh, man, I wish I had this. Stop all of that wishing. Go ahead and go to the uh, to jacemedical.com and go ahead and get you one of the five antibiotics. That's jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E medical.com. Use the promo code locked on and go ahead and get your Jace case today. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to say simple and plain. We talked about FAMU at the beginning of this episode. We talked about FAMU handling business. Well, Benedict College is not only handling business, they're sending a message. And that message is we ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. We can't be stopped now. Come on now. Because what Benedict College has done to start the year is remarkable. And I feel ashamed that I have not brought it up to this point. But at the same time, I'm very happy that I haven't because now it allows me to do the 3 and 0 start, excuse me, the hot start for FAMU versus the hot start for Benedict College and kind of have a thematic episode. And I love me a good theme. Not going to lie to you, I love to do a thematic episode where some of the topics just align. We could do a double feature or we can just call back to something. That's my thing. So for me to be able to do this, I'm kind of happy. I guess it's a silver lining and all of that. But overall, I'm a huge fan of what I've seen from Benedict College. And I don't want to make it seem like they're this underdog. Like there's this squad that nobody believed in. And look at what they're doing. They were the number 17th ranked team in the country. Not the number 17th ranked HBCU. They were the number 17th ranked Division II football team in the country, in the United States, in the nation, in the 50 states. They were number 17. All right, so I'm not trying to make it seem like an underdog story, like nobody could have seen this coming. However, they did just lose their quarterback in Eric Phoenix. And I feel like when you lose your quarterback, you have something to prove. Everybody wants to prove that their ranking was justified. But when you lose your quarterback, at least in the mouth of the South world, that means you got to really believe or excuse me, you really have to prove something. And for them, they came out and proved it. I will say this. They opened up conference play. And technically, they took a step back. Technically, because for the first time this year, literally, for the first time this year, they've allowed a point, a singular point. And they allowed a touchdown and they beat Lane College by a score of 54 to 7. And that's taking a step back. Running back. Benedict College just started conference play. And technically, they took a step back. Because for the first time this season, in all of 2023, in week three, 
Benedict College has finally allowed a singular point. In the first two weeks, it was a shutout. Against Lane College in week three, they won by a score of 54 to 7. And that's a step back. Y'all hear me? Like the, the, the things that this dominant defense has been able to do is ridiculous. 54 to 7. They've won, or excuse me, they scored 52 points, 34 points, and 54 points this year. That's been the offensive output in each week. 52, 34, 54. 34 to 0 is their smallest margin of victory. I don't think y'all hear me, man. Like, the smallest margin of victory throughout three weeks is 34 points. And I don't know what's more impressive, the offense or the defense. I'll start off with the offense because I've kind of already leaned into them a little bit. You lost Eric Phoenix, and I alluded to that as well. I didn't know what I was going to get from this offense. I kind of trusted the defense. I didn't know what I was going to get from this offense. And they came out, and they've absolutely blazed every single person that they played. 50 points in two games. I should have looked up when was the last time I don't have my phone on me, do I? No, I don't. I should have looked up how many games they hit 50 points last year. I, I struggle to believe it was more than three or four. But they had a strong, they had a good offense last year. I don't feel like they hit more than 50 points three or four times last year. They've hit it two already. Like, this is a phenomenal offensive display. Aeneas Dennis has 800 yards, five touchdowns on the season. Been on fire. I know this is going to be difficult to sustain. I don't expect them to be a 50 point ball club every single week. I don't expect them to average. Let's see. Let's do some quick math. 88. Oh, wow. Who would have thought? Um. Anyway, sorry. 88, 90, 140. So you're averaging what? About 43 points per, ooh, 46 points per game. Like, that's a phenomenal rate. I'm a nerd. So, like, knowing that that, anyway. I'm, I, just know that I found something cool within the math because I'm a dork. <laughs> and math, things like this excite me. But the offense has been phenomenal. And then you look at the defense, which is no surprise. They were the fifth best team in the nation defensively, scoring and total defense. All they know is dominate. All they know is to succeed. And Luber Dentalis is returning, and he's an absolute monster on the defensive line. So are we really surprised? That as a unit, they were able to continue. This defense, this offense, this team has been great. This team has lived up to the billing. This team has said, you know what? We lost Eric Phoenix, but we do not skip a step. I don't know if Chinnis Berry will be there next year because they are performing so well. And I know people were knocking on his door last year. If they're able to run it back and do this all over again, they might be beating down his door. Forget knocking at the door. They kicking it in. You might not answer, but we going to come on. They might, <laughs> they might not answer the door. <laughs> they might, he might not answer the door, but they're going to kick the door down and say, you know what? We coming in. We coming in. Period. All right. Um, I'm going to end this on a laugh because that was funny to me, and I don't think anybody else is really going to get why that was funny to me, but I do not care. FAMU is handling business in 2023. I still want to know, am I undervaluing Alcorn because I feel like they shouldn't have been above the teams they were above these past two weeks in the rankings. But lastly, if you have to take one message from this, that's that Benedict College is telling you, we ain't going nowhere. And if you have to take one message from me, make sure that your negativity Excuse me, 
if you got to take one message from me, make sure that your praise and your positivity is loud as or louder than the negativity and criticism. There you go. Mouth of the South. But I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day, every day is come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. Tomorrow, we'll be breaking down the state of the SWAC. We're going to get into where the SWAC stands today, Andrew Body's injury concerns, and then also game of the week because it's all SWAC this week, including our actual game of the week, and then the extras, the parsley, the little lanyap that we throw on there every single Thursday. So make sure you're looking out for that. And in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.